The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in, your tr- in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you choose to speak through us through these words, through the words of Jesus recorded through time and uh, ready for us to read and digest. I pray that you would speak through Randall today as he, he speaks his message. I pray that uh, we, we would hear your word and we would receive it with humble hearts. So I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joe. Good morning. How is everyone? You awake this morning? It's Sunday fun day. You having fun yet? <laughs> You're like, where's the ice cream at? All right. So um, today, uh, we're going to have ice cream after the service. It'll be great. And, and we can come hang out outside. We've got a sweet treats truck that's going to be out there serving ice cream. And it'll just be a great time to, to meet some new people. If you're new this morning, my name is Randall, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. Glad you're here this morning. Um, this past week, we had City Kids Sports Camp. It is our second annual camp that we've done. It is a free camp for our city. And uh, here's the reason. We do that because uh, Jesus has loved us freely. And so we want to share the love of Jesus freely with, with everyone. And so this year we had 72 kids over the three days that were a part of the camp. Uh, over 50 families came and were a part of it. And we had over 25 volunteers uh, that jumped in, pitched in in a lot of different ways. There was basketball, there was uh, golf, there was agility, there was soccer. There was, there was all types of things that was happening over those three days. And so can we just give a hand to all the volunteers that jumped in for the three days? You know, we say we're a church for our city, and that's what we mean. We are here for the city to serve and love our community. And so I just thought it was an awesome, awesome time. And um, I also got a, a, a tan this past week from being out in the sun so much. So, yeah, it was great. All right. So today we're going to continue in our series called Jesus' Prayer. And we are in John 17. So we've been going through John 17 for this past month. And, and if you're new with us, uh, what we do is we, we've been going through the book of John for really the past year and a half since we've been in existence as a church. We, we're not an old church. We're a very young church. We've only been here for a year and a half, but we've been studying through uh, the book of John, and we're actually going to be finishing up in the next month and a half. But what we've been studying is Jesus uh, praying for his disciples. And, and it's interesting because we get to listen in on what Jesus prays for. You ever thought about that before? You know, like, you know what you pray for, but, but what does Jesus pray for? And we get to hear Jesus' prayer today. And, and here's the title of the message. 
As we hear Jesus praying for his disciples, here's what it, what it, what it leads to. A reason to live. A reason to live. Viktor Frankl, who was a concentration camp survivor, once said this. He says, ever more people today have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. We've got what we need to live, but why are we here? What's your reason to live? And let me ask you this. Do you pray about it? Do you pray about your future, the direction? Because let's be honest, many of us don't really pray much about it. We, we really get ourselves worked up and, and, and we get really busy in trying to figure out what the future looks like, don't we? We just get so stressed out. What's the future hold for my life? But Jesus points his disciples to prayer. You might say, well, well that's nice, prayer. But, but I'm, I'm just too, too busy to pray. I've got too much going on. I heard one pastor, Tim Chaddock, say this about prayer. He says, the enemy of prayer is not busyness, it's self-reliance. It's self-reliance. See, our problem, if we're honest, is, is not that we don't have enough time, but rather that we trust ourselves. We rely too much on ourselves. See, here's the thing. We all need meaning in life. We know this. I mean, research points to it. NPR reported in 2014 that people with a sense of purpose had a 15% lower risk of death compared with those who said they were more or less aimless. And it didn't seem to matter, uh, you know, when people found their direction. It could be their 20s, 50s, or 70s. And today... Wherever you're at, have you found your direction in life? Because deep down, across all ages, we need a reason to live. And in John 17, we find Jesus, is just Jesus praying for his disciples to have a reason to live that's far beyond themselves. You see, Jesus was sending his disciples on an impossible mission. And it would only be accomplished through prayer and dependence on God. What Jesus prays for is that his disciples ultimately would live out their God-given purpose. Not, not one that they just kind of came up with in their mind and said, this is what I need to do. This is why I'm here. No, it's their God-given purpose. He was sending them on mission out into the world. And so what does Jesus specifically pray for his disciples? Well, our text again today is John 17, 13 through 19. And to give you some background on what's happening here, Jesus earlier in uh, John 16 had just told his disciples that he was leaving and that as he dies, they would face extreme persecution. But he looks at him and says, don't give up because I have overcome the world. Put your faith in me. So Jesus is in inviting them to not put their faith in themselves, but to put their hope in God. And in our text today, he says, because they've chosen this path, because God has chosen them, they would be hated. They'd be hated. They would face extreme resistance. 
Now, as they hear this heartbreaking news about Jesus leaving, uh, Jesus specifically prays that his disciples would do three things. And so I'm gonna give you all three up front if you're taking notes today, and here's what they are. The first one is this, embrace his mission. Second is, grow stronger. And the third is, experience God. Embrace his mission, grow stronger, experience God. And so our first point is from verses 14 and 15. Embrace his mission. And so look at what it says starting in verse 14. It says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, Jesus prays And he knows that his disciples are going to be hated. But why? I mean, that's a strong word. He says it's because of your word, talking about God. And and so here's what that is. We we talked about this uh, last week. We said that the message of God, who God is, is embodied in the person of Jesus. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. And so because his disciples have received the message of Jesus, received Jesus for who he is, He said, you're not gonna be accepted. Why? Because Jesus himself was not accepted. Right, Jesus himself was not received. See, Jesus' Jesus' disciples were now going to take on the mission that Jesus started. They're taking it upon themselves. It was a message of showing people who God really is, what God is really like. Some of us in here today, we've, we've asked that question, well, what, what is God like? And so my encouragement has been to read through the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus. If you wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. And ultimately, the message of Jesus that Jesus gave his disciples was this. It was, it was a scary message because it exposed humanity. It exposed us. It, it would reveal that Man can't do it on his own. That man within himself is sinful and needs a savior. It's a message that shows we all need Jesus. Not just some of us, but all of us. You see, Jesus didn't come just to change our behavior. It's much deeper than that. Jesus came to change our hearts, our motivations, behind our behavior, See, we can't always see what's under the surface. Uh, I've got three kids. You're like, how does that young dude have three kids? If you're new today, I'm 34. (laughs) I've got three kids. Been married 12 years. I promise, I'll show you my ID. Um, But (laughs) I was talking with my son, who's seven this week, and he was doing all of this like nice stuff for us. He was like having a great morning and we're like, man, son, you're like, you're taking care of your sisters, you're opening doors for people. We were at the YMCA, he's like holding doors open for people. I'm like, wow, what great manners. And uh, we were sitting in the car and we were driving and he's like, mom and dad, what are you guys doing? I was like, well, we're gonna go get some coffee real quick. I was like, I thought we were gonna go home so that, you know, I, I could do what I wanna do. I, I was doing this stuff so that you guys would see that we could go home a little bit earlier. And so I started digging. I'm like, so, so 
hold on, so all that stuff that you just did, all the nice things that you were doing for, like, you had a motivation? You wanted to get home to the Xbox? That, that's it? You see, what it looks like on the surface doesn't always tell the whole story. And what Jesus did as he came didn't just reveal the behaviors of humanity, but it revealed the heart of people. And we see it expressed as Jesus is going to be put up on the cross. See, now Jesus is passing on the mission to his disciples. That God came to change us, but he came to change us from the inside out. And as Jesus leaves, they would now become the extension of God's love to the world. Because you ask this, you say, well, what what is Jesus' mission statement? Okay, if Jesus is saying, embrace my mission, like what is Jesus' mission statement? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Why did Jesus come? Why did he give himself? It's because of love. God loved and the thing about that passage is this. We, we, we focus on the world part, but the, the world really should stick out to us because really what that means is, is think about how bad the world was that God had to give his only son. He had to sacrifice his only son for a desperate, needy world. And he did it so that we wouldn't perish but have eternal life. See, Jesus was passing on this mission now to his disciples And he's saying this, he's saying, okay guys, here's the real deal. You will be hated. Their mission was to love a world that would hate them. Have you had those experiences before where you're just really nice to somebody and they just don't like you because of it? They're just like, man, that person's just so fake. They're just saying hi to me and smiling to me and all this stuff. It's just like they've just got this grudge or they're just really mad because you're just being really nice to them. Here's the thing. Jesus came and his love, true love, pure love, it just brought out the worst in us, the reality. So much so that it would put him on the cross. And so verse 15, Jesus says this. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Now, what's Jesus saying here? Jesus doesn't pray for his disciples to have an easy life. Okay, guys, if you're gonna take on this mission, which I know that you guys aren't perfect, we talked about this, they're not the cream of the crop. You guys are gonna take on the mission. I'm not praying that you have an easy life. I'm not praying for safety. He says, I'm praying that you can face the difficulties, the challenges, the hatred, and that God would protect you through it all. See, what happens when we face challenges and obstacles in life? What's, what's our natural reaction? Mine is usually to run away. I, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to face a difficult life. See, many Christians have bought into the idea that we are called to run away from the world. Ah, that's, that's the world. It's scary out there. But Jesus prays that his disciples would stay in the world, 
and embrace the mission that he's given them to take God's love to hurting people that are out there. See, that's why we talk about this all the time. The, the, the church is not a building, it's a people. We're God's church, and we are sent to go love the world. Don Carson, in his commentary on this verse, says this. He says, the Christian's task then is not to be withdrawn from the world, nor to be confused with the world, but to remain in the world, maintaining witness to the truth by the help of the Holy Spirit, and absorbing all the malice that the world can muster, finally protected by the Father himself in response to the prayer of Jesus. See, what did Jesus pray for? He prayed that as we were gonna face difficult times, difficult moments in life, that we don't run from it, but we embrace it and run to God. We run to him. See, that's what it means to be a part of God's mission in the world. Not to pull yourself out, but to say, God, how can I find you right in this moment, right where I'm at? And how can I love the world embrace his mission jesus prays that his disciples would first embrace his mission for life and so secondly through that they would grow stronger that they would grow stronger um look at verse 16 starting there it says they are not of the world just as i am not of the world sanctify them in the truth your word is truth so what happens to a person who embraces Jesus' mission for life? Saying, okay, I don't, I don't want my mission anymore, but God, please like, help me to know what your mission is for my life. You're the creator. You're the one who gives it. So I want to know what that is. Here's what it is. They grow stronger. They grow stronger. Jesus says that his disciples would be hated. They would face trials. But as they embrace God's mission, it would sanctify them in the truth. This, this word sanctify, it's a big word. But what does it mean? It's basically that God is gonna grow them. God's gonna make them stronger. Not just externally, but on the inside. The word sanctify is rare in, in the book of John, but when John is pointing to, what John is pointing to is that as Jesus' disciples follow God's path for their lives, God would shape them from the inside out. They would become more like Jesus through their trials. They would become more holy in their character. One of the things I'm finding is, is that there are moments where I get disappointed with myself. I get disappointed with my character, right? I'm driving on the road and somebody cuts me off and I get mad. And I think to myself, ah, why do I keep getting so mad? And what this should do is not say, man, look at me. I'm just a terrible person. But what it's meant to do is point me to God. Say, Randall, there's a character issue here. There's something that you're getting angry about and you're holding on to that you should give up to him. Right, so, so what God is doing as you go through trials, as you go through difficulties, and that's a small one, but you're gonna face bigger ones in your life, is that God is saying, will you bring that to me? Will you let me shape you as you go through this trial, as you go through this difficulty? 
See, the Bible has an interesting perspective on trials and difficulties because here's what it says in the book of James in the first chapter. It says, uh, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, have you ever looked at people in your life, you say, man, they're a really patient person. They're a really loving person. They're a really generous person. Oh, man, I wish I could just be like that, but it just must be they, they just naturally became that way. I've said this before. We don't know what they went through to become that type of person. We don't know the challenges that, that, that shaped them to get to that place. And what I'm saying is that God is saying, hey, as you go through trials, as you go through difficulties, I will shape you into a person you never could have been on your own. But many times, we, we don't want the trials, we don't want the difficulties, we want to run away. But God says, I invite you to run to me. See, what is a sign that you're on God's path for your life? We ask that. We say, well, God, just give me a sign that I know that I'm on the right path. Let me ask you a question. Are you being shaped right now in the process? Are you becoming more like Jesus right where you're at? Or is there potential that you could be, but you're depending too much on yourself? Let me challenge you with this. Then maybe you're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. Because many times we think the reason for our lives is that I just need to be here instead of there. And God's saying, no, you're not ready for there yet. I, I need to do some work in your life and your heart first. And see, Jesus' disciples, they had a lot of work that needed to be done in their lives. Even if you look at John and his brother, James, they were known as the sons of thunder. You know what that means? They were really angry dudes. They tried to call fire down on a village who didn't want to listen to them. Right, that, that's how angry these guys were. Like, God, okay, Jesus, can you just take them out? They don't want to believe in you, so just, just bring it down. That's, that's the kind of character they had. But by the end of John's life, he was the apostle of love. The apostle of love. Do you see that Jesus can take really angry people that just want to get revenge on others and turn them into people that love that's what he does but he does it through the process of saying okay I'm going to sanctify them in the truth and they're going to go stronger in me what's the truth it's right here it's right in front of us it's this you can find it in the life of Jesus see when we embrace Jesus' mission for life God changes changes us in the process and we will grow stronger in him and so as we embrace the mission as we grow stronger here's what we see for the disciples Jesus' last prayer is this that they experience God he says as you sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth What's God's goal for your life? What's, what's success in God's eyes? Well, it starts with this. 
knowing that Jesus was sent into the world. See, many times we want to start with us. Like, what's my success? What does success look like for me? What's my reason to live? But we first are called to look at the Son of God. What what was his reason to live? Well, he was sent into the world. And in verse 19 it says, for their sake I consecrate myself. You want to know what the gospel is today? God gave himself first for us. God's reason for coming and sending his son was for you and me, that we would know God, that we would experience God. See, it starts with him. And so the first step of knowing what success is in God's eyes is this, knowing the son knowing what he's done, knowing that he came for you. And so Jesus says, okay, I, sent, I have sent them into the world. So we start with what God did first. But then it's the do part. It's, it's just, okay, well, what's next? It's knowing that God sent his disciples into the world. What does that mean? Well, for Jesus' disciples, it was this. It was knowing that they were sent by him. They didn't do it themselves. And that Jesus was the one that was going to define what their life looked like. That Jesus was going to define their path. See, that, that's the hard part for many of us. It's, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to hand over my life to you. I'm gonna hand over my path to you. I remember as I was really struggling, okay, God, what's, what's my reason for being here? What's, what's my life all about? I remember reading in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, what, what, what I was so wrapped up in is trying to make my own path straight, trying to make my own life work out. But where it starts is this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. See, many times we try to figure it out instead of praying and saying, God, I don't know. I don't know where this is leading. I don't know how to get there. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. But what it means to be his disciple is this, is coming to God and saying, okay, God, you shape me. You help me. See, it's, it's, it's knowing that he came for you and knowing that he wants to send you. He wants to send you to go do something. But it starts with knowing him first. I was watching a cartoon in, this week with, with my kids. And by the end of it, I was, I was just like, wow, that's really profound. Um, it, it, it might seem silly, but it was just this, it was this guy, Buck Denver, okay? And so we're watching it. It's like this little Christian show, and uh, this guy, he had this life purpose right in front of him, and here's what his purpose was. It was, um, God wants you to do great things. And so he would look at it every day, and he would say, okay, God wants you to do great things. And so he would just embrace that into his life. God wants you to do great things. 
And so because that's his mission for life, his reason for living, he, he looked at his boss. He says, boss, I got to go do this, this one task. It's going to change everyone's life if I go do this. And his boss says, okay, I'll let you go. And as he goes on this mission to outer space, he meets a guy out there who said, you know, I had the same dream like you. I thought I could go save the world just like you. And he took the poster that said, you, you know, God wants you to do great things, and he rips it in half and he gives it back to this guy, uh, Buck. And Buck looks at it and says, God wants you. God wants you. He's like, where's the other half? I, I want the other half. W- w- what is it? God wants me to do what? He says, this is the answer. God wants you. That's it. See, we we get so wrapped up and what we gotta go do out in the world, I gotta go define my purpose for life, I gotta define my reasoning, but God says, no, 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 I I, I just wanna start with this, I just want you. You. And and this should be our response. Hold on, so, so you want me? Guy who struggles with anger, right? struggling with like just thoughts in my head of like, oh man, I can do this. Not praying, not trusting God. You want that guy? Yeah, I want you. See, what that's called is grace. (laughs) It's absolute grace. Many times we think that it's our performance that gets us to God. Here's all the things that I'm doing. That's gonna make me right with God. But many times what happens if that's our attitude is we end up like my son who's just like so mad at his parents, right? Like, ah, my plan didn't work out. I didn't get to go play the Xbox. I gotta go wait till mom and dad get coffee. (laughs) That's what happens, right? We just get frustrated. But the whole time, it's, it's no. That, that, that's, that's not what it is. He reveals our heart. He shows it to us. And he says, no, I just wanted to hang out with you. I love you. Experiencing God. That's the point. See, Jesus' disciples would not have survived if they did not lean into God and lean into the truth and knowing that the Son of God was given for them. For them. And so some takeaways today. How can we find our reason to live? First one is this. Number one, realize the truth. Realize the truth. The Son of God was sent for you and me. He was sent into the world to die for our sins. Why did he do it? Because God wants you. He wants you. See, many times we get wrapped up in trying to find our joy in what we do, whether that be our work, our role in life, our accomplishments. We say, that's my joy. But do you see what it said in verse 13 earlier? It says, Jesus' prayer was that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
that they may have joy in knowing that God loves them, that, they, that God wants a relationship with them, that God fought his way to them. Well, I just want to hold on to my stuff. I just want to hold on to what I do. You'll never find joy in it. It'll be fleeting. See, it's all in what's been done for us. As Christians, our joy is found in what God has done, not in what we do. That's the gospel. It's all about him. Psalm 126 verse three says this, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. The Lord has done great things for us. He's done them. And what were Jesus's last what was Jesus's last words on the cross? It is finished. You want to know where the greatest joy in life is found? It's in those words that help you to breathe in a sigh of relief and say, "Whoa. Everything that needed to be accomplished that really mattered in life has been done by Jesus and he just says, "Here it's yours." It's yours. It's what scholars call the great exchange. With my messed up, tattered life, Jesus says, hey, I want to exchange you. I want to trade you. I want to give it to you. That's what it is. See, what we do fades. What God has done, it lasts forever. And so the first one is this. Just realize the truth. Will you realize the truth? Will you trust the truth today? The second is resist the enemy. We can find it in verse 15. It, it, it said this, um, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Now, some of us today, we look at that and we say, well, I just have a little trouble believing that there is an enemy in this world. Who's he talking about? The devil? Yeah. See, it's true. The Bible tells us that there is a spiritual world that we can't see. There's a reality, and, and, and Timothy Keller says it well. How do you know? Satan doesn't control us with fang marks on the flesh, but with lies in the heart. You say, well, I've never seen like, the devil and all this stuff. But have you believed some really crazy lies about yourself? It, it just follows you everywhere you go. You're just like, what, what is this? See, th- there is an enemy in the world. And, and Jesus' prayer was that his disciples would be protected from the enemy. Because a lot of the time what we do is we try to call people the enemy. Like, oh, that's my enemy. But just like it says in Ephesians chapter 6, our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against a person who cut me off or just being rude. Right? There's like an actual enemy. And we feel it. We know it. And so 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking or seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
To him be the dim- dominion forever and ever, amen. Here's the truth. You're gonna go through difficult times. You're gonna go through seasons where it's just tough. You're thinking, man, this is a battle. But God says, okay, resist the temptation to believe the lies. Stand on your faith. Stand on believing that I'm there with you, even in the darkest moments. Believe that I'm a God of grace that's gonna receive you and love you, not because of your performance, because of what Jesus has done for you. And that I myself, God, says he will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Who's gonna be the one that's gonna lift your head? Who's the one that's gonna be lifting, lifting you up? God says, I'll do it. I'll be there. So resist the enemy. Resist the temptation to keep giving in and saying, okay, I just can't fight any longer. No, it does. It, to be a Christian, you gotta battle. You gotta fight. You gotta make choices and say, okay, I'm just not gonna go there anymore. And so what does that look like for you? And the last one is this, rethink the mission. Rethink the mission. Okay, so Jesus is sending his disciples out into the world and they're not gonna be liked because they got the message of Christ. But here's the thing, you say, well, okay, what does that look like for me? Preacher Dick Lucas once said, he says, if you were walking by a table and you saw the title of this book and it said, uh, The Man or Woman That God Uses, what would you think that that book's about? Many of us would say, well, that's, that's gotta be a book about being a pastor, being a missionary, something like that. I mean, that, that's, that's really what that book has to be about. But he said, no, that, that's, that's not it. Uh, he said, God can use any of us. And here's one of his quotes he says, based off of this idea, he says, it is often hard to get Christians to see that God is willing not just to use men and women in pastoral ministry, but in law and medicine and business and the arts. This is the great shortfall today. Do you believe that God could use you right where you're at? Do you see that you're doing right now what God is calling you to do? Have you just embraced it? See, if you're a disciple of Jesus, we're all called to be missionaries on, for Jesus. We're all called to be on mission for him in everyday life. You have a purpose in Jesus today. Embrace God's mission to love the world in Jesus' name. He calls you to love just like he loved us. And so as I wrap up today, here's, here's the thing. This is the gospel. It's this that as you're wrestling with, why am I here, what am I supposed to do? I'm struggling right now to have a reason to live. It's knowing that as you look at Jesus' prayer, God sees you. God sees you. Your struggle, your doubts, your fears, God sees you. And as we think about that, I want you to picture Jesus in Matthew 9, 36, when, he, when, it, when it says this. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Just for a moment, whatever you're going through in life, however you're feeling, could you believe 
that the God of the universe looks on you like that. You feel harassed. You feel helpless. You don't know where to go. You feel like a sheep without a shepherd. Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to make this work? It says that God had compassion on them. He feels it from the very gut of who he is, from the inside out. And he loved you so much that he says, I'm not just gonna feel a feeling, but I'm gonna walk all the way to the cross and give my life for them. Would you believe that this morning, that the gospel's true? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you promised that you'd be with us. And that uh, you've given us this message that all the way from the disciples, as you prayed for the disciples, that the message reached us. Right now, 2017, God, your message reached us. And so, Father, I just pray that your love will touch our hearts today and will be made new in Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.